Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the morning segment of the Saturday, February 4th episode. That would be episode 157, I believe. Uh, episode 157 of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I am Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a newly made member of the Christian podcast community. Uh, Christian co- podcast community is a great community of podcasters, um, obviously a Christian focus. Uh, they kind of cover all kinds of different areas of the Christian life and um, even including teaching you how to be a podcaster. Um, definitely worth your while to go out there. You can reach them uh, the overall website is strivingforeternity.org um, to find the podcasts and go through. And there, there's a big group of them. I think there's 40-some of them. Um, you would go to podcasts.strivingforeternity.org. Um, I would definitely encourage you to go out there. There are some great, great, great podcasts out there. Uh, I listen to a number of them myself. Um, great brothers and brothers and sisters in Christ out there. Um, the only reason I don't listen to more is, as I've said the last couple of evenings, I don't have enough time. Uh, there's just not enough time in that in the day to listen to all of them. So, uh, but I would definitely encourage you to go out and take your time and spend some time out there. Um, and if you go out and find one that you'd rather listen to other than me, I'm okay with that. Any any exposure you get out there is is worthwhile and is definitely good for you and will be good for the glory of God. So definitely would encourage you to do that. I want to remind you, as I always do, about the links in our show notes, especially the very last link. Um, It is for the Vail Valley Baptist Church Give Sin Go campaign. We are striving to rapidly pay off our mortgage so that we can shift gears into developing for our community a Christian classic education-based school um, to provide for our children and our grandchildren for a good solid place where they're not where they're not going to be um, um, taught things we don't agree with val- values we disagree with um, that, that they're not going to be you know brainwashed um, sorry not trying to show political opinions or anything like that but it just there are things I don't I don't want my children and grandchildren being taught in school. Unfortunately, I was able to help with my children and we're trying to work with my, our grandchildren. But for folks that can't necessarily homeschool themselves, we want to pri- provide a good, solid, trustworthy alternative. So there's, like I said, there's a link in the show notes. Please click it and go read um, about this. It'll definitely explain it better than I do. And we ask three things of you to pray for us, to prayerfully consider giving and to pass on the link so that others can do the same thing. So with all that said, let's go ahead and get going. We're going to continue on in our reading today. Um, So let's go ahead and open up being a Saturday morning. It is seventh. We're going to open up with the seventh day morning prayer. It's called God's good pleasure. So let's pray. Sovereign Lord, thy will is supreme in heaven and earth, and all beings are creatures of thy power. Thou art the father of our spirits. Thy inspiration gives us understanding. Thy providence governs our lives. But, O God, we are sinners in thy sight. Thou hast judged us so, and if we deny it, we make thee a liar. 
Yet in Christ thou art reconciled to thy rebellious subjects. Give us the ear of faith to hear him, the eye of faith to see him, the hand of faith to receive him, the appetite of faith to feed upon him, that we might find in him light, riches, honor, eternal life. Thou art the inviting one. May we hearken to thee. The Almighty Instructor, teach us to live to thee. The Light Dweller, inaccessible to man and angels, hiding thyself behind the elements of creation, but known to us in Jesus. Possess our minds with the grandeur of thy perfections. Thy love to us in Jesus is firm and changeless. Nothing can separate us from it, and in the enjoyment of it, nothing can make us miserable. Preserve us from hypocrisy and formality in religion. Enable us to remember what thou art and what we are, to recall thy holiness and our unworthiness. Help us to approach thee clothed with humility, for vanity, forwardness, insensibility, disorderly affection, backwardness to duty, proneness to evil are in our hearts. Let us never forget thy patience, wisdom, power, faithfulness, care, and never cease to respond to thy invitations. Amen. All right, now our morning devotion for February 4th from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. The text is Hosea 3.1, The Love of the Lord. Believer, look back through all thine experiences and think of the way whereby the Lord thy God has led thee in the wilderness and how he hath fed and clothed thee every day, how he hath borne with thine ill manners, how he hath put up with all thy murmurings and all thy longings after the flesh pots of Egypt how he has opened the rock to supply thee and fed thee with manna that came down from heaven think of how his grace has been sufficient for thee in all thy troubles how his blood has been a pardon to thee in all thy sins how his rod and his staff have comforted thee when thou hast thus looked back upon the love of the lord then let faith survey his love in the future for remember that christ's covenant and blood have something more in them than the past he who has who has loved thee and pardoned thee shall never cease to love and pardon he is alpha and he shall be omega also he is the first and he shall be last therefore bethink thee when thou shalt pass through the valley of the shadow of death thou needest fear no evil for he is with thee when thou shalt stand in the cold floods of jordan thou needest not fear for death cannot separate thee from his love and when thou shalt come into the mysteries of eternity thou needest not tremble for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, soul, is not thy love refreshed? Does not this make thee love Jesus? Doth not a flight through illimitable plains of the ether of love inflame thy heart and compel thee to delight thyself in the Lord thy God? Surely, as we meditate on the love of the Lord, our hearts burn within us, and we long to love him more. All right. Now we're going to start our reading. Um, let's see. We are starting in Exodus 19. We're starting in verse 16, and we're going to read through into Exodus 21, verse 21. So we're reading through parts of three chapters here. So Exodus 19, verse 16. Hear the word of the Lord. So it happened on the third day, when it was morning, that there was thunder and lightning, flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain, and a very loud trumpet sound, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people, I'm sorry, and Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke, because Yahweh descended upon it in fire. 
and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and God answered him with thunder. And Yahweh came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And Yahweh called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Then Yahweh spoke to Moses, Go down, warn the people, lest they break through to Yahweh to see, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who come near to Yahweh set themselves apart as holy, lest Yahweh I'm sorry, lest Yahweh break out against them. And Moses said to Yahweh, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds about the mountain, and set it apart as holy. Then Yahweh said to him, Go down and come up again, you and Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to Yahweh, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them. All right, Exodus 20, this is where we'll see the Ten Commandments, and I'm going to take some coffee real quick. All right, Exodus 20. Then God also spoke all these words, saying, I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, or any likeness of what is in heaven above, or on the earth beneath, or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, Yahweh your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the uh, name of Yahweh your God in vain, for Yahweh will not leave his him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of Yahweh your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female slave, or your cattle or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days Yahweh made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore Yahweh blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which Yahweh your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male slave, or his female slave, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, and the people perceived it, and they shook and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and we will listen, but let not God speak to us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him may be with you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood at a distance, but Moses came near the dense gloom where God was. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen that I have spoken to you from heaven. You shall not make other gods besides me. Gods of silver or gods of gold you shall not make for yourselves. You shall make an altar of earth for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. And every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. And if you make an altar of stone for me, you shall not build it of cut stones. For if you wield your tool on it, you will profane it. And you shall not go up by steps to my altar, so that your nakedness will not be exposed on it.
and now Exodus 21. Now these are the judgments which you are to set before them. If you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve for six years, but on the seventh he shall go out as a free man without payment. If he comes alone, he shall go out alone. If he is the husband of a wife, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife, and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall belong to her master, and he shall go out alone. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out as a free man, then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door or the doorpost. Then his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him permanently. And if a man sells his daughter as a female slave, she is not to go free as the male slaves do. If she is displeasing in the eyes of her master who designated her for himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He does not have authority to sell her to a foreign people because of his treachery to her. And if he designates her for his son, he shall do to her according to the custom of daughters. If he takes for himself another woman, he may not reduce her food, her clothing, or her conjugal rights. And if he will not do these three things for her, then she shall go out for nothing without payment of money. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. But if he did not lie in wait for him, but God let him fall into his hands, then I will appoint you a place to which he may flee. If, however, a man acts presumptuously toward his neighbor, so as to kill him by deceit, you shall take him even from my altar that he may die. And he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He who kidnaps a man, whether he sells him or he is found in his hand, shall surely be put to death. And he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. And if men contend with each other, and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and he does not die but remains in bed, if he gets up and walks around outside on his staff, then he who struck him shall go unpunished. He shall only pay for his loss of time, and he shall take care of him until he is completely healed. And if a man strikes his male I'm sorry, if a man strikes his male or female slave with a rod and he dies at his hand, he shall surely be punished. But if for a day or two he is able to stand, no punishment shall be taken, for he is his property. All right. Let's see. Matthew 23, verses 13 through 39. But woe to you, oh, here's some of the woes. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people, for you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayers. Therefore you will receive greater condemnation. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, whoever swears by the sanctuary, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the sanctuary is obligated. You fools and blind men, for which is more important, the gold or the sanctuary that sanctified the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the offering on it, he is obligated. You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Therefore, whoever swears by the altar swears both by the altar and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the sanctuary swears both by the sanctuary and by him who dwells within it. 
And whoever swears by heaven swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides who strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish, so that the outside of it may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. In this way, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous, and say, if we had been living in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you bear witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the guilt of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell? On account of this, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, so that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you did not want it. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. All right, Psalm 28 of David. To you, O Yahweh, I call. My rock, do not be silent to me, lest if you are hesitant toward me, I will become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my supplication when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary. Do not drag me away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their actions. Give to them according to the deeds of their hands. Return their dealings upon them, because they do not regard the works of Yahweh, nor the deeds of his hands. He will tear them down and not build them up. Blessed be Yahweh, because he has heard the voice of my supplications. Yahweh is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. Therefore my heart exalts and with my song I shall thank him. Yahweh is their strength, and he is a strong defense of salvation to his anointed. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd also and carry them forever. All right, and finally, Proverbs 7, verses 1 through 5. My son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live, and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your intimate friend. 
in order to keep you from the strange woman, from the foreign woman who flatters with her words. All right, that is our reading for today. Um, I hope you go out and have a wonderful Saturday. I'm, I'm looking forward. I, we got men's Bible study, and I'm looking forward to being with my brothers in Christ. Um, I definitely would hope you are planning for church this evening or next week, or, or I'm sorry, this evening or tomorrow. Um, definitely need to be worshiping with the saints. Um, YouTube and Facebook Live are not church. I understand there are some people physically who have issues. I got it. But for the rest of us, we need to be worshiping with the saints. Um, it's not a request. It's a command. Go to Hebrews. It's very, very clear. I think it's in Hebrews 4. We need to be gathering with the saints. Um, so I would definitely encourage you to do so. Again, I would encourage you as always, and I would implore you to do all that you do for the glory of God. And God willing, I will see you this evening. Let's go ahead and close out in prayer. The prayer we're closing out with um, from Valley Vision, this one is called Conflict. I've never read this one before, so I guess we're going to read it together for the first time. Let's pray. O Lord God, thou art my protecting arm, fortress, refuge, shield, buckler. Fight for me and my foes must flee. Uphold me and I cannot fall. Strengthen me and I stand unmoved, unmovable. Equip me and I shall receive no wound. Stand by me and Satan will depart. Anoint my lips with a song of salvation and I shall shout thy victory. Give me abhorrence of all evil as a vile monster that defies thy law, casts off thy yoke, defiles my nature, spreads misery. Teach me to look to Jesus on his cross and so to know sin's loathsomeness in thy sight. There is no pardon but through thy son's death no cleansing but in his precious blood, no atonement but his to expiate evil. Show me the shame, the agony, the bruises of incarnate God, that I may read boundless guilt in the boundless price. May I discern the deadly viper in its real malignity. Tear it with holy indignation from my breast, resolutely turn from its every snare, refuse to hold polluting dalliance with it, Blessed Lord Jesus, at thy cross may I be taught the awful miseries from which I am saved. Ponder what the word lost implies. See the fires of eternal destruction. Then may I cling more closely to thy broken self. Adhere to thee with firmer faith. Be devoted to thee with total being. Detest sin as strongly as thy love to me is strong. And may holiness be the atmosphere in which I live. Amen. All right, again. Have a wonderful day, and God willing, I'll see you this evening. Have a good one. God bless. Welcome to the evening segment of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Good evening, and welcome to the evening segment of the February 4th, Saturday, February 4th episode. That'd be episode 157 of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. The Faith Comes From Hearing podcast is a newly made member of the Christian podcast community. Christian podcast community can be found at podcasts.strivingforeternity.org. Um, would definitely encourage you to go out there. Some wonderful podcasts from some wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, definitely worth your while to go find them. Um, I do. I, I listen to as many of them as I can. Um, so I would definitely encourage you to go do so. Uh, again, want to remind you of the link at the bottom of our show notes um, that is for the Vale Valley Baptist Church Give, Send, Go campaign. 
Uh, again, to explain, we are trying to rapidly pay off our mortgage so we can shift gears and provide for our community a Christian classical education-based school uh, to provide an, an alternative to the public schools and to provide an alternative for people that cannot homeschool. Um, so wanted, wanting to help out our community there. Um, so what we would ask of you is, one, go ahead and click on the link and go read about it. Um, and then we would ask three things of you. To pray for us, to prayerfully consider giving to us, and three, to pass the link along to other people um, so that they can do the same thing. Um, and thank you for giving that time, and thank you for coming along and spending this time with me this evening. All right, let's go ahead. Let's jump right into it so we can get right on to our Bible study, our continuing Bible study in John chapter 5. Um, definitely want to hurry up through it because I'm having to do some prep work um, in John 6 to be ready for that. So, And I want to be ready to properly handle the Word of God. So let's go ahead and get started this evening. Uh, like we usually do every Saturday evening, we're going to open up with the Lord's Day Eve prayer. So let's pray. God of the passing hour, another week has gone and I have been preserved. Am I going out? In my coming in, thine has been the vigilance that has turned threatened evils aside, thine the supplies that have nourished me, thine the comforts that have indulged me, thine the relations and friends that have delighted me, thine the means of grace which have edified me, thine the book which amidst all my enjoyments has told me that this is not my rest, that in all successes one thing alone is needful, to love my Savior. Nothing can equal the number of thy mercies, but my imperfections and sins. These, O God, I will neither conceal nor palliate, but confess with a broken heart. In what condition would secret reviews of my life leave me, were it not for the assurance that with thee there is plenteous redemption, that thou art a forgiving God, that thou mayest be feared? While I hope for pardon through the blood of the cross, I pray to be clothed with humility, to be quickened in thy way, to be more devoted to thee, to keep the end of my life in view, to be cured of the folly of delay and indecision, to know how frail I am, to number my days and apply my heart unto wisdom. Amen. All right. And now the evening devotion for February 4th from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. The text is Joshua 20, verse 3. Your refuge from the avenger of blood. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that's talking about the... Uh, the the cities of refuge that, that were set. So Joshua 20 verse three, your refuge from the avenger of blood. It is said that in the land of Canaan, cities of refuge were so arranged that any man might reach one of them within half a day at the utmost. Even so, the word of our salvation is near to us. Jesus is a present savior and the way to him is short, but it is but a, it is but a simple renunciation of our own merit and a laying hold of Jesus to be our all in all. With regard to the roads to the city of refuge, we are told that they were strictly preserved. Every river was bridged and every obstruction removed, so that the man who fled might find an easy passage to the city. Once a year the elders went along the roads and saw to their order, so that nothing might impede the flight of any one, and cause him through delay to be overtaken and slain. How graciously do the promises of the gospel remove stumbling blocks from the way! Wherever there were by roads and there were by roads and turnings, there were fixed up handposts with the inscription upon them to the city of refuge. This is a picture of the road to Christ Jesus. It is no roundabout road of the law. It is no obeying this, that, and the other. It is a straight road. Believe and live. It is a road so hard that no self-righteous man can ever tread it. 
but so easy that every sinner who knows himself to be a sinner may by it find his way to heaven. No sooner did the manslayer reach the outworks of the city than he was safe. It was not necessary for him to pass far within the walls, but the suburbs themselves were sufficient protection. Learn hence that if you do but touch the hem of Christ's garment, you shall be made whole. If you do but lay hold upon him with faith as a grain of mustard seed, you are safe. A little genuine grace ensures the death of all our sins. Only waste no time, loiter not by the way, for the avenger of blood is swift of foot, and it may be he is at your heels at this still hour of eventide. All right, what a good one. Alrighty, well, we're continuing on in our study of um, John 5, and we're dealing with the witnesses. We're dealing with the witnesses. Um, you know, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to go ahead and kind of read the whole context. We're going to be focusing on verse, where did I go? Verse 39 today, just verse 39 and John 5, but I want to read the entire context. Um, of, of the witnesses. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to back up to where Jesus kind of witnesses about himself and then God, but I'm going to start from John the Baptist in verse 33. So John five, verse 33 through the end of the chapter, hear the word of the Lord. You have sent to John and he has borne witness to the truth, but the witness I receive is not from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was the lamp that was burning and shining and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the witness I have is greater than the witness of John. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me, he has borne witness about me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him whom he sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that bear witness about me, and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another, and you do not seek the glory that is from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? All right, pretty powerful stuff there. So like I've like I've said before, you know, we we had the we had the miracle at the pool of Bethesda, and I know I'm going back over it, but it's so that we understand the context. Um, as we go day by day, and just in case anybody coming and listening is listening for the first time, so you understand the context. We've had the miracle at the pool of Bethesda. We've had Jesus heal this man that was lame for 38 years. And like I said, he was so lame that he couldn't even beat the other sick people, the other people that could not be healed. The, the, like I said, this this was kind of a this is kind of a um, hospice at this pool of Bethesda. These people can't be healed any other way, so they're left here, or they go asked to be put here, so that maybe they can get into the pool when the angel stirs it, so they'll be healed, assuming that was actually happening. Um, and we never are recorded an instance where it does, but I would assume there was something behind it for them to even have this 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 legend that they're following. But this man is so lame that 
even the others, I mean, like I've said before, and I've used this, but, but it makes a point. This man is not racing Usain Bolt, one of the fastest men in the world and sprinters in the world. He's not racing him to get into that pool. He's racing other people. He's, he's trying to strive against other people that are as, 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 as hurt as he is to get into that pool and he can't make it. And Christ comes along and tells him clearly, um, I'm backing up. So I do it. Uh, here we, here we go. He asked him, do you wish to get well? And of course the guy, like I said before, the guy gets, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred, but while I'm coming, another steps down before me. So he's focused on himself, but Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And immediately the man became well and picked up his mat and began to walk. Um, what an, I mean, again, what an amazing, amazing miracle. And, and of course, this isn't a time. Again, John the Baptist is the first prophet in over 400 years. The first word from God in over 400 years. And John clearly, as we saw in verses 33 through 35, they talk about what we've seen. John back in chapter, and, and John the Baptist back in John chapter 1, make very, very clear I'm the forerunner. I mean, he doesn't say it that way, but it gets across the point. I'm not Jesus. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet, but I, there is one here among you who I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. First prophet in 400 years. So somebody way up in, in their estimation and, and rightfully so he is a prophet of God. Yet he makes clear that he's not even worthy to tie this man's sandals, obviously somebody bigger than him. Obviously, and, and he makes clear the things he says. And I mean, he even says in their hearing, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world makes clear reference to the Messiah, to the Christ, to the prophet Moses spoke of this prophet Moses, Moses spoke of this, 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 this coming Christ, this coming servant that we see the different servant passages in Isaiah that he's prophesied for. But instead of going, wow, look at these, um, this amazing miracle on top of the miracles we've already heard of, because don't think the other miracles are not circulating. I mean, as small as this country was, but at the same time, yeah, okay, they had to walk. Yeah, believe me, as amazing as these things were, the, the news of what Jesus was doing was circling like wildfire. He is doing amazing miracles and they're caught up on the fact, like I keep saying, they're caught up on the fact that he did them on the Sabbath. He violated their rabbinical statutes. And I, 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 again, as I've said before, I call them rabbinical statutes because they are not part of the word of God. They are not part of the word of God. They have nothing to do with the word of God, with the law of God, with the Mosaic covenant. They have nothing to do with that. Nothing at all. And so, you know, they want to call him out on that. Instead of responding to that, he proceeds to show them exactly why. I mean, he doesn't have to say, well, I don't have to obey that. He turns around and shows them clearly that he's the Christ, the son of God, that he's the Messiah, you know, and he does it by a couple of things. You know, he sits there and shows them and um, proclaims clearly that he's equal with God. Um, he, he, and then he proceeds to go on and he starts to call his witnesses again. Like I've said before, this, this is an impromptu trial. You know, they're, they're accusing him of something and he's responding and he starts calling witnesses. And again, like, like I've said the last couple of times, and I won't go into as much detail tonight. Um, cause, cause I know I've said it a couple of times, but we, we tend to forget how strong witnesses are. 
um, in our day and time, we get so caught up with the technology, the fingerprinting and the DNA and the, and the, and all that kind of stuff. And the, the picking up trace elements and all that kind of stuff that they couldn't do back then, back then, the way they found out stuff was by witnesses. Now at the same time, you know, we can sit there and kind of belittle witnesses and we know sometimes witnesses can be wrong. But we even saw it in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And please don't, please don't think I'm advocating one way or another or anything like that. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about right now. But you saw the witness of one of the people that he had harmed. That witness actually built Rick Rittenhouse's case. It, had, it was very, very strong and almost kind of nailed shut, you know, and, and kind of shut the door and, and set the, set the um, jury up to acquit him. They, it really did. I mean, don't get me wrong. His defense made, made good arguments and stuff, but this guy's testimony of one of the guys, um, the, the one man that was still alive that, that he didn't end up killing, um, or maybe it was, I, I don't know. Anyways, but the things he said made it to where the where the um the jury felt that Kyle Rittenhouse was defending himself and was in fear for his life. You know, that's that's how strong witnesses can be. So that's but but especially in first century Palestine. So that's that's where Jesus is. So he's called as witnesses. So we saw in verses 33 through 35, we saw him him called John the Baptist as a witness. You know, and he starts there with somebody these guys know, and these guys have even shown enough trust in that they've gone out to ask him, are you the Christ? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Um, even some of them have gone out and been baptized by him. They, they, they've come to him. They don't like him because he's calling them out, but he's been a witness and, and Christ even calls him out though for it because they didn't take him serious enough. He says in verse 35, he was the lamp that was burning and shining and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. For a while, they didn't take up residence there and go, wow, okay, we've got to stay focused on this guy. They didn't. Because the point is, if they had, then they would have understood that Jesus was from God and they would have listened to him. They would have paid attention to him. Um, but then he goes on uh, um, in verse 36, he, the witness of his own works. Um, and, and we talked about, I, I brought up that with those works when we talked through them on that evening was the fact that it's not only, it's not only the miracles as amazing as those are, but it's also the life he lived. He lived a life. None of us are capable of doing ever. None of the Pharisees were ever able to do it. No man ever has, or will ever be able to live the perfectly sinless life that Christ did, which is that cloak of righteousness, which he drapes us with when we come to a saving faith. None of us have ever lived that. He lived it perfectly, and in living it perfectly, he, he fulfilled the prophecies, and they knew this. And then he did the miracles, which fulfilled the prophecies, and they knew this, and that was a witness to them. And he was clear about the fact that these works he was doing were the works that the Father gave him to do. And that fulfilled the prophecies, and they knew it. And then he goes into verse 37 and 38. He brings the father as a witness. The father himself had testified to him and people had heard it, had heard the voice of God. This is my son in whom I'm, I am well pleased. And would hear him and, and the, the three um, disciples, the three apostles would hear it on the, on the Mount of Ascension or the, the I'm sorry. Um, oh, sorry, I, I went blank on it. Um, 
the transfiguration, sorry, the Mount of Transfiguration. I went blank there for a sec. Sorry. So what we come to tonight is the final witness. And this final witness is the scriptures themselves. And we're actually going to break this up over four different evenings, okay? I'm not really trying to draw this out. It's just it needs to be handled properly. Um, it'd be one thing if I was just if I was preaching a sermon on it, but because we're doing it, trying to do it in these smaller groups, I'm going to deal with it in segments here. So the scriptures are the next witness. They are the final witness. Again, I told you, Jesus has been building towards this crescendo, towards this, towards this mass. Um, this this climax. So what we're going to deal with first is the search. So that we're talking about the scriptures as a witness, but we're talking about the searching of the scriptures, and we're going to deal with verse 39 this evening. So let me go ahead and reread verse 39 for you. So this is Jesus again to these the, the, to the Jews, these Jewish leadership, the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that bear witness about me. The you search, that what translated in English to us for you search, and it's eronate, I don't know if I'm saying that right, meaning search, it means to search, to examine, to investigate. It can be either a, an imperative, a command, or an indicative, meaning it indicates. So it could be saying that you search these, as in I'm reporting that you search the scriptures, or it's telling them to go search the scriptures because you think that in them you are you have eternal life. It is these that bear witness about me. So, but truly, I I feel like and and there are, there are commentators, there are theologians that go on both sides, but I believe it more fits the tone of the whole passage to be taken in the indicative, meaning it's indicating something. It's not telling them to go to do, do something. And Jesus is saying to them here that they search the scriptures trying to find the key to eternal life. He's not deriding them for searching the scriptures. We should all do so. The fact is, that's exactly where we should be. That's where the Bereans went. That's what when Paul was talking about that. Um, or we see that in history. Sorry, it's in Acts. Um, that when the missionaries came to, to Berea, the Bereans went and dug that, you know, they listened to the preaching and then they confirmed it through the scriptures. They've confirmed what was being said through the scriptures. We should all do that. So he's not deriding them for that. But what he is doing is he's calling them out because those very scriptures they've, they've been searching that, that those scriptures speak clearly of him and clearly point to Jesus Christ as being the Messiah in whom saving faith is the key to eternal life. They're supposed, these are supposed to be the experts in it. These are supposed to be the experts in the scriptures. And so he's telling them clearly, you, you search there and these are what bears witness about me. And so it's, there's almost the unasked question of then why aren't you hearing me? Why aren't you understanding me? Why aren't you not, not necessarily worshiping him, but why aren't why are you trying to persecute me? Now he knows that, that it's God's will that that's going to happen. So it's not that, but so RC Sproul says of this verse, it is worthwhile to remember that Jesus was speaking here, not to liberals, not to secularists, but to card carrying fundamentalists, people who wouldn't have thought about going to church without carrying their Bible. So he's making, he's making kind of a, kind of a, 
it's not a metaphor, but he's do, using symbolism. Uh, R.C. Sproul is talking about, he, he's referring to them like you would see in our day to day. These are folks that would go to church. They they wouldn't, I, honestly, these are the kind of folks that go into church that wouldn't be pulling out um, their cell phones or their tablets or whatever to read the Bible. They'd have their Bible and it would be their favorite Bible. And they, they couldn't even think of going to church without having that. So again, let me read it. It is worthwhile to remember that Jesus was speaking here not to liberals, not to secularists, but to card-carrying fundamentalists, people who wouldn't have thought about going to church without carrying their Bibles. It was as if Jesus said, you have Bible study every week. You don't just have a 15-minute daily devotional, but you search the scriptures. You are disciplined students of the scriptures because you think in studying the scriptures, you have eternal life. Yes, the scriptures do lead to eternal life, but they do so by leading people to me. The scriptures point to me. How can you read these scriptures and not believe in me? And I think that, and, and R.C. Sproul stating that, I think he nails that. That's that's what Jesus is saying here is, yeah, you're in the scriptures and that's great, wonderful, hallelujah, you know? But, and, and, and yes, through them you have eternal life, but not in the study of them. It's in them pointing to me because eternal life comes through me, through a saving faith in me. And how can you read them and not believe in me? And we have to take that call out to heart. The fact is, one, we need to be doing exactly what these Pharisees were doing. And I mean, that that sounds weird because we always want to bash the Pharisees. But the fact is, we need to be the students of the law. We need to be the students of the scriptures that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes were. We need to be that, that the Bereans were. Um, we have got to be those students. You, you actually, when you read through the, what is it, first four or five um, chapters of Acts, you read about them where they turn around and they were going as groups and they were spending daily spending time in study and in hearing the preaching and the teaching from the apostles. Doesn't sound like us, does it? These Pharisees, as, as much as we want to sit there and, oh, they're so terrible because they killed Jesus and they persecuted him and all that. Yeah, okay, you're right. But at the same time, whether they were misusing it or not, or whether they were not not following it to its ultimate conclusion or not, they were students of the word. They were not good students of the word, but they were students of the word. They were diligent students of the word as we should be, like 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 Doctor like Sproul, R.C. Sproul says here. They were diligent students of the word, and we must be so. As weird as that sounds, that we should be like the the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, the the Jews, the Jewish leadership. There, we should be like them in that. True, true students of the word. So we've got to take, but but we've also got to take that call out to heart. If we spend that time in prayer and the word, and as we are supposed to, how can we not be pointed to Jesus Christ? So many in our day, even those who claim to be theological leaders, only peripherally reference the Christ, but mostly point to themselves. We're guilty of that as well. And we've got to clear ourselves of that. I'm, I'm sorry, there's way too many people out there that, that I, mean, I mean, one, we see all kinds of um, supposed religious leaders, and I'm sorry, I'll throw out a couple of names out there. Um, Joel Osteen, Beth Moore, um, 
uh, Rick Warren, to be honest, and I, and I hate to say that, um, but and there are others out there um, that that they're not about pointing to Christ. They're about pointing to self. And I'm sorry, having been in the pulpit, um, and, and don't get me wrong, I struggle with this because I, 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 I am a prideful man, and that is something I struggle against. I fight very, very hard to try to be as humble as possible, and I don't say that for you to pat me on the back. I'm being honest with you about the struggles I have because there is nothing for me to be prideful about. I am fetid pond scum. As, as my wonderful brother in Christ has on his email address. I am fetid pond scum. So when I'm in the pulpit, when I am preaching, when I am teaching, I should fade into the background. And everything I say and do should point to Christ. And that's how we have to be as Christians. The more we read, the more we study, the more we pray should all point to Christ and our lives should point to Christ. That should shape our lives to point to Christ. They should see Christ in us. Um, we're wonderfully, we're, we're, our men's, um, study group is doing, uh, you go working our way through a MacArthur book. It's called the heart of the Bible. And it works through some, some special, um, scriptures that that are his favorites and it, he talks about him and part of the the part we're going through right now is talking about that worthy walk and talking about that our body should be those temples um and, and that's the thing they should and talks about they should see christ in us it should be no problem for people to see christ in us well that's what we've got to do here it's got to point to christ those scriptures point to christ our study of the scripture should point us to christ and thus, when we share the gospel, when we share the scripture, we've got to point to Christ. Way too often, people get caught up in the fact they're they're out there witnessing, they're out there sharing, they're out there evangelizing, and they share their story. And it's great, you know, if you if you've got that story, I I do too. Um, that story about when you came to Christ. But the story has got to point to Christ. It doesn't need to point to you. It doesn't need to point to me because honestly, that story is not about me coming to Christ. That story is about the amazing mercy and grace that God has and the love Jesus Christ had that he sacrificed for a wretch like me. So it's about him, not about me. And that's what these guys aren't getting is that they're delving into the scriptures they're diligent, diligent students of the scriptures, but they're not seeing Christ in them. They're not at all. And, and, and in a lot of cases, you and I don't, I mean, I mean, there, there, how many Bible study type things are there out there where they, where, where they want to turn around and tell you to see yourself in the scripture? No, that that's called eisegeting. You eisegete yourself into the scripture. Um, see, what is it? In some cases, talking to the David and Goliath thing, people have tried to teach it as see yourself as David. Man, I'm not a David. <laughs> I'm sorry. Except except for the sins he committed, I'm not a David. <laughs> I'm not even close. I'm the stone, <laughs> or or the or the or the thong he used um, as a sling. Um, I I'm I'm none of them. Or the dirt under his feet. I you know it, it's that's not what we're there to. Th- we're in the scriptures to see Jesus and that's where they needed to be. It's there. And I already quoted to you there at the beginning, or I told you there at the beginning, you know, you saw Moses prophesy about him, 
We see Isaiah prophesy about him. We see other prophets prophesy about the Christ. There, there are well over a hundred, I believe, if I'm remembering right. I hope I'm not wrong with that. But I believe there are well over a hundred prophecies that directly point to Christ. And he fulfills them all. I mean, I, I, the book of Matthew does a very good job of pointing out the prophecies that he fulfilled. So the, this, this religious leadership, the, these Jews should be seeing him from the scripture. And he, he tells them, yeah, you search the scriptures. That's great. And you're diligent students. That's wonderful. But it's these that bear witness about me. Yet they're, which, which is the, which is the, you know, the, like, like, you know, RC said there at the end of his thing, the scriptures point to me. How can you read these scriptures and not believe in me? Well, that same question comes to us. How can we read these scriptures and not truly believe in him? How can we read these scriptures and not manifest? And, and I'm not talking about um, one of the things in, in the, the, the Bible study I've been reading because I'm going to have to lead it tomorrow or well, facilitate it, I should say, tomorrow. I'm reading it. Um, and it and it was really, really blunt. And I, and I agree with it where John MacArthur was speaking of the fact that we're not talking an intellectual belief. We're talking a soul deep belief that drives obedience of Christ. The scriptures speak of him. They're what bears witness to him. Why don't we believe it? Like, like R.C. said, how can you read these scriptures and not believe in me? How can we look at these verses and not believe in him? And, and as much as sometimes we manifest an intellectual belief, it truly has to be the belief that where he is our Lord and Savior and Lord first. He is our Lord and our savior, and we are his slave, and we are obedient. That's where it's got to take us to. Because we've got to look different than this world. And unless he he truly is our Lord, and we are truly obedient to him, so that the world sees Christ in us, and we point to him as the scriptures do, then I don't know what, what we're doing with our walk. I don't know whether we've got saving faith or not, if that's not what's manifesting in our lives. And I realize we may be very young in the faith and be coming up to that, but that has to be where we're going or we're older in the faith and faith and we're stumbling a little bit. I understand that. Believe me, I do, but that has to be where we're going. And if it's not, then we have to question whether we have true saving faith or not. And that's what this book is all about. That's what the gospel of John is all about. These have been written so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God. And in believing you would have life in his name. And it's that critical and that urgent. And we've got to know now. All right, let's go ahead and close out with the seventh day evening prayer. It's called future blessings. Let's pray. O Lord God, there is no blessing we implore, but thou art able to give, hast promised to give, hast given already to countless multitudes, all unworthy and guilty like ourselves. Make us willing to receive the supply of our need from thy bounty. To this end, convince us of sin, soften our hard hearts, to bewail our folly and gratitude, pride, unbelief, rebellion, corruption. 
Though the law may we, through the law may we die to the law, then look with wonder, submission, delight to the provision thou hast made for the glory of thy name and the salvation of sinners. Give us a hope that makes us not ashamed, a love that excites to holy obedience, a joy in thee that is our strength, a faith in thy Son who loved us and died for us. May we persevere in duty, when not fully conscious of thee, wait upon thee and keep thy way. Be humble and earnest suppliance at thy feet. Live continually as on the brink of eternity. Let us be at thy disposal for the duties and events of life. Submit our preferences to thy wisdom and will. Resign our enjoyments, if thou shouldst require it, as our absolute proprietor and best friend. In our unworthiness and provocations, make us grateful for the means of grace and the ordinances of religion, and teach us to profit by them more than we have done. Help us to be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, to enter upon the Sabbath mindful of its solemnities, duties, privileges, setting all things worldly aside while we worship Thee. May we know the blessedness of men whose strength is in Thee, and in whose hearts are the highways to heaven. Amen. All right, well, thank you for spending this time with me this evening. I hope this time has been edifying for you. I hope you have a wonderful evening, and God willing, I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless. Thank you.